0: Good morning, everyone. We'll get right to it. Yeah, I got it, Uh We'll get right to it. It's a lovely day. Let's get outside and enjoy the sunshine. Uh, I think we're going to try to go see the Avengers after. We tried last week, and after waiting in line, after hitting Taco Bell, I waited in line. We waited in line. We get to the register, and he goes, no. The last ticket was the one in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is I'm so terrified Someone's going to give away the story This is 22 movies finishing in one And I'm like And I, one thing was spoiled this week Can you double check it because it went black here So anyway that's what we're hoping for But anyway, um, So listen um, What's God been doing in my life I, Well um, I'm going to talk to you about something cool God's really going to move this is, uh, this is foundational stuff You know what I realized We're going to start right off from the jump if, if What I see in this life, and including my own life, is this. It seems as though wherever there's hardship or struggle within us, habitual defeat, relationship troubles, whatever it may be, I've been kind of seeing through things lately, and God's really been showing me something, that in a lot of our lives, a lot of it's because we're believing a lie. Like I know that sounds crazy, but if we're continuously banging our head against something, I'm noticing that. There's something deep down. There's a lie tied into it. Now, I'm not going to give you an example. I'm not. But I, I promise you if you, if you, if you look at those areas, you'll, you'll see this. At some point, I'm believing a lie about myself, and I'm acting out of that. I'm a believing a lie about you, maybe, and that's why we have trouble. Or I'm believing a lie about God. Okay? I know that's vague, and I can't, I can't get you all in the office at one time here. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to stick that in the third one and say this. Jesus tells a parable. To a bunch of farmers about farming and he says this uh, I'll paraphrase really quickly he says, you know behold a farmer goes out and he sows a bunch of seeds and they start to grow, but whilst the farmer was sleeping the enemy, an enemy comes along and sows a bunch of weeds and um, and so so at one point the hands go well we'll tear out the tear out the, the weeds and he says, well you got to wait till they grow up because they look identical until they grow up are we good huh they look Bruce, lie, weeds, which are from the enemy, which are lies, and the truth of God will look the same until they come to fruition and either bear fruit or don't. You follow me? You won't know right away until you bang your head against something and realize, wait, that doesn't work. Wait a minute, that's rooted in a lie. For example, if there's fret, fear, and anxiety, I'm gonna tell you right now, it's maybe a lie that we're believing that we can't trust God. You get it? Fret, fear, and anxiety are not this separate thing. It's tied into a lie we're believing. Now what I'm going to do today, and again, nobody's coming at you. We're looking at mindsets that hold us back, because here's the thing. Jesus says, "If you remain in me, you'll know, if you remain in me, then you'll know the truth, and that truth will set you free." I've always said this. I'm not sure if it's a puzzle piece, Bruce, but the truth yeah, has power because Jesus is the truth, but he's saying, "If you remain in me, then you'll know the truth and it'll set you free. I don't believe the truth does anything for you without Jesus. Do you get it? You're hanging on courts and you know and the truth will set you free." And it's like, no, I told you before, cookies make you fat, but you still want cookies, right? thank you it's the third bill i got bill that's all that matters i don't care (laughs) he laughed you know what i'm saying in christ so here's the thing if the truth can set you free then a lie can hold you captive you see what i'm saying so here's the thing let me get into this thing and say this the truth has the power to set us free so i want to start here there's one foundational truth about god's nature we talk about all the time that we have to talk about all the time that's so strange okay um let's uh let's look at first john 4 8 difference. Now this is John, guys. This is John, the gospel writer, the difference. Let us love one another. Love comes from God. Everyone who has who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God's very nature, what he is is love. And we've talked about this before, but this is something like you start and end here, man. You have to start and end here. And so let's move that farther. Jesus is the perfect expression of what love looks and sounds like. You can go to the list, right? You can go to 1 Corinthians and say, love is patient, love is kind. And then you realize, and I've told you this before, you could go, well, if God is love, let's change the verbiage. God is patient. God is kind. God keeps no record of wrongs. Does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Right? So that's actually describing God. I mean, totally cool. But think about it this way. And this is where you can religion-proof yourselves and even church-proof proof yourselves, especially in these times that we're heading into. Not that I'm gloom and doom. But let's put it this way. I think we're heading into a time where people are going to say things that are politically correct instead of the truth, and I believe they're going to tickle people's ears and they're going to flock to it. They're going to flock to an experience. Jesus is offensive because he's the true gospel. No one will say is this. Jesus is the perfect example of what love looks and sounds like and what, and what love does. Jesus is perfect theology. That's good, right? You want good theology? Just look at Jesus. Add nothing to what he says and take nothing away. Haven't I been saying that for like a month now? And yet that has been offensive. I've gotten blowback about that, which is awesome because that means the truth's doing its job, right? It comes against the falsities. It does. A true view of God will free and empower his sons and daughters to live like Jesus. That's what I'm trying to say. We've been designed and created to know God as love and to be transformed in this truth. Now, many of our faces I see here, and of course, anybody listening online, we've been created to know God as loved and be transformed in the truth. Here's the problem. Many of us did not know God as love. Therefore, we're not transformed by truth. We knew God as taskmaster. We knew God as proverbial Hail Mary guy, right? We knew God as rule bearer. We did not know God as love, and therefore we're not transformed by his truth. You get it? Only true theology will transform a believer to look like Christ. <laughs> I've said it a hundred times. Fake Jesus can do nothing for you. If God was a taskmaster with his with his whip behind his back every time you broke his rules, he can do nothing for you. Because fear is a paralytic, not a motivator. I know I'm, I'm hitting heavy, right, guys? <laughs> Too bad. Take it and use it. <laughs> Holy Spirit can bring it up. Page one, guys. Here's the thing. If we view God as angry, vengeful, waiting for you to live up to his standards to love you, it tampers everything that goes about you in your personal spiritual life. Now, I'm not just going to sit there and say that. Instead, what we're going to do is this we're going to look at some symptoms that we all have, which are saying that sometimes we step out of that perfect realm of knowing God for who he is. That bottom sentence, because God is love. Now, first one right here, let's hit it and quit it, let's go. One symptom of religion creeping into our relationship with Christ and, and 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 marring this view here is if we're motivated by shame instead of love. Now, do you know how easy it is? Let me tell you something. I think it's actually kind of easy to grow a church. Make people feel bad for not coming, make them feel bad for what they're doing, and let them believe that you've got the answer to it, and they will come to your church. Anybody? Do you believe me or don't you? Right. But true love and true relationship with Jesus Christ is not motivated by shame. Shame doesn't get you anywhere, man. Shame steals your power, doesn't it? I'll never this. I'll never that. We've all been there, and we've all probably been to that church. Not that I'm into beating up the church. I don't want to be doing that lately. But in this, but in the same sense, I, I think I, as God has given me a position of teacher, I think I still have to warn people for that. If there's if there's a, a controlling thing, if there's a shame put upon you, then that's not seeing God for. For love, because perfect love casts out fear, says the Bible. All right? I know, there's a lot. One symptom of religion, if you're motivated by shame instead of love. Feelings of shame and condemnation are often the evidence that you believe God's opinion of you is determined by your actions. See that? You believe a lie. See what I'm saying, Mary Beth? If you've got shame, it's because you think that his opinion of you is pushed and pulled by how much you've pursued him, obeyed him, or loved him. And we've all been there because you feel like a worm. I didn't read my Bible today. I don't really like reading the Bible. I didn't want to listen to worship music. I want to listen to comedy on the way home or something. And then, oh, I should have done that. And it's like, well, hold on, bro. Had you done those things, would God love you more? And now, had you done that over there and made that bad decision, would God love you less? And you got to work that out. you got to work that out. One thing I'm not going to do today and I thought about doing was this. Jesus goes down into the waters of baptism, right? To start his ministry. And do you remember what the voice from heaven said? Behold, look upon my son, on whom I am perfectly well pleased, even though he hasn't done a darn thing yet. It was before he healed anyone. It was before he walked on waters, before he proclaimed the goodness of, he just was, right? He gets the stamp of approval before he does anything. Letting us know that God's love rested upon Jesus, and you want to know why? Because he wanted it to. That's why. Isn't that cool? There's a preacher out in uh, blah, blah. Who cares? He's in Texas. <laughs> I'm doing that old person thing again. Oh, I think it's El Paso. <laughs> right? <laughs> I have to stop until I get it right. Well, he was struggling with God's love, and it was for years and years and years. And he turned to his wife, and he goes, why do you love me? He does talk like that. And she's like, oh, you're kind. He's like, what if I wasn't kind anymore? Okay, fair enough. I, I don't know. Why do you love me? Well, because I'm a good dad. Well, what if I'm not a good dad anymore? And he's, she's like, oh, my gosh, this game is horrible. <laughs> and, and so he struggled and struggled, and it really and it, it messed with his relationship with his wife and his kids and the whole nine, and this was like a 30-, 40-year believer. And finally he said to this guy, he's like, man, I've been really struggling with God's love lately. And he's like, I don't know why God loves me. And he goes, what do you mean you don't know why God loves you? And he's like, I don't know. Why, why would God love me? And he goes, because he chooses to. What? And he's like, you just feel it. All the stuff fall off of him. Oh, yeah. God's love because he chooses to be. God loves you because he wants to. <laughs> he takes off. <laughs> How cool is that, you guys? Yeah, absolutely. And we sung about it. We sang. I don't know if you knew it was in the Bible, but I said, no depth, no height, no fear, no shame, no lie. Even the grave could never separate the love that God has for his kids. No powers, no principalities, authorities, Anything in the demonic realm, the angelic realm, anything like that, nothing. Even the things you comprehend, God has not put them in place to interfere with his love for you. Because he because that's his choice. And don't you love that it's not about you? Alright, I want to keep going here. This we're gonna hold it up. Okay. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. I want to teach you something very practical. <sighs> speaking of shame and speaking of lies that we believe, I want to teach you the difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay, there's a huge difference. Sometimes when we are going about our lives, maybe in our realm of our business, our marriage, our parenting, whatever it may be, there may be the thing where we start to feel lesser. We feel condemned, okay? We feel crappy and shame about it. And you wonder, well, is that God? And like I said, sometimes religion can get in there and make you think that's God's voice. You should have done better. You know not to do that. All of a sudden, God's tone doesn't feel like love at all. But you know what? You're believing a lie. And I want to teach you today the difference between condemnation and conviction. I even whipped up a fancy thing. You ready for this? Oh, that did not come out a well. The condemnation is supposed to be on the left. conviction's supposed to be on the right. And they're supposed to fall there, okay? I don't know why that got changed. but Condemnation on the left. Condemnation. When you hear it inside of yourself or from other people, it's always heavy. It's accusatory. It's as vague and broad as it can be to indict you. And it is hopeless. Now, settle in for a second. I'll give you a minute. Can you relate to this? that when you have a thought about what you're doing or, or whatever, it's, it's heavy, and it's, it's you, you, right? It's vague and broad saying things like, well, vague, yeah, vague and broad. It'll, it'll, it'll grab as much as it can. You're a worm. You're a loser. You're I mean, because you lost at this, you're this, right? And the hopeless part is ready. You'll never. You always do this. You're just like your mother. You'll never get it. And we all just go like this, don't we? It's crushing heavy, the first one. That's the voice of condemnation. Now, who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan, the enemy. If you'll look through the Bible, and I mean go back to Leviticus if you want to, go see how God relates to folks and see if he ever does that. Appears and goes, you, here, now. Do you ever see that? Then why do we sometimes believe that? That God goes you should better you never you always why do we see we don't see it anywhere instead we see conviction conviction let me let me break down a word for you for a second let's do this together I'm just kind of riffing convictions means means this oh I'm guilty of it I've been convicted you ever, you, ever, you ever been guilty of something and you're like oh yeah I totally did that I hate to say it but <clears throat> this week um, my boy didn't want to brush his teeth so so much he lied to Daddy about it. I know. <laughs> Brittany Let me tell you the story, though, and t- just tell you the difference. And just because I want to tell the story, honestly. I'm not trying to shame him. But um, I was like, hey, bub, um, it's, it's two-something, snack time. What do you want for snack? Apple, grapes, says Izzy. Oops. And um, I said, uh, he goes, I don't want a snack. I said, you just don't want to brush your teeth, dude. And he goes, I already brushed my teeth. And I was like, how many people know you got parental scan? Where you can scan your kids and see. I was like, that didn't check out. What you say? What you say? Come here. I didn't brush my teeth. Remember yesterday when I brushed my teeth after my potty? He said, yes, I remember that. He goes, did that again today. Did you, though? "Mm." I said, so if I go touch your, I pulled out a parent trick I never thought of. (laughs) If I go touch your toothbrush, it's going to be wet, right? (laughs) You ever do that one? (laughs) I don't know where I got it from. I think maybe that downloaded the day I held him, like downloaded inside of me. I didn't know that. I've never touched a toothbrush head in my life. Why would you do that? (laughs) And I go, is it going to be wet? He goes, no, I mean, he tried to come up with some scientific reason in which, (laughs) like, I've learned to dry brush my teeth, Daddy, or something. And I was like, ooh. I said, are you lying to me? I squared up on him. Are you lying to me? I didn't threaten him. I just said, are are you lying to me, dude? Sort of hurt, too. You know, when your kids lie to you, it kind of hurts your feelings. Like, don't do this. We're having a good day. You know what I mean? And I was like, you lying to me, dude? He goes, yes, I'm lying to you. (laughs) He came to me and crumbled. (laughs) Conviction is this. Yes, I did it. Thank you, Brian, for fixing that. Yes, I did it. But with conviction, with the knowledge that you've done something outside of what is true, right, and best, here's how it comes. Here's Holy Spirit's voice. Please hear me. Gentle. And it's not personal to you. It simply states, this was the thing, and it wasn't followed. It's never an indictment on who you are. It's specific. It's never you're a loser it's never it's it's specifically you shouldn't have said that or that hurt their feelings whatever it is it's not your talk is garbage right it's very specific you need to call that person whatever it may be it's it's you know exactly what they're talking about not this big broad indictment and it comes with hope there's never a beating down of like like ah oh, did this again this is my pattern no it's very much a hope and look at the bottom, with a plan of action. You shouldn't have said that. Instead, there's this. God will never, God will always provide a way out of temptation, right? You, that Bible says God will always provide a way out of temptation. It's the same way when it comes to conviction. If there's something that occurs to you that you know you've, you've broken a standard, shouldn't have said that, should have done this, whatever, you'll know immediately what you should have done next time, what you should do next time or what you should have done that time. You see the difference? So if it's vague and just makes you feel like doo-doo, it ain't God. Come on, man. I'm speaking the right language here, right? If it's just vague and you feel like crap and it's heavy, it's not God. But if it's specific, like, A.J., instead of that, this, then I know it's God coaching me along. So to finish the rest of the story, I did not hammer my son. And I actually saw, I looked at his face and realized he's not being deviant, which is why it took me a second. Because I can recognize deviant lies in a heartbeat, flutter of an eye. Looking in the wrong direction as you make up a lie. Because this way you're accessing memory. This way you're accessing creativity. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. This is interrogator stuff, man. When they blink when they talk. Yeah, Mary Beth, I'm fine. Lies. That's true. Or when they do this to try to keep from blinking. Yes, I'm fine. That's a lie, too. You've never studied this stuff? What am I, a nerd? Really? I want to know when people are lying to me. So I studied FBI interrogation techniques. (laughs) What? It's coming handy. (laughs) <laughs> apparently I'm weird I don't know <laughs> but here's the th- oh oh. let me tell you the rest of the story about Alex I realized in that moment he wasn't being deviant he just really didn't want to brush his flipping teeth and so was it right for me to conquer him right I'm like no that's punishment and God doesn't deal in punishment as much as he deals with discipline you get it even when he quote unquote is punishing the Israelites it's discipline which means this there's a lesson in here I need you to get and here's the physical Help to do that. Sometimes the rod is necessary to help your kid to remember that lesson and change his behavior, but it's not about, oh you did that? Wham, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. And so I walked him through it. I walked him through it gently because I could see he was already crushed in his spirit. God does not crush you when you're already feeling down. I held him to myself, and I said, I love you, buddy, but this just came to me. I was like, Lies are, lying to someone is a shortcut that doesn't get you where you want to be. You think it's going to get you where you want to go, but it never does. And he was like, and I was like, yeah, that's profound, dude. <laughs> I was like, you know, it's like having a trail in the woods that you think leads to the pond, but it doesn't. And you end up lost. You didn't want to brush your teeth, but now you've just got in trouble with daddy, and you've got to brush your teeth, right? It didn't get you where you wanted to be. Lies are shortcuts for weak people. That's Good. Um, Brittany's gone. She's the only one that writes this stuff down. we got to remember this stuff, man. (laughs) I'm hearing it for the first time, too. So here's the thing. Let me get through this, guys. Um, God is love and his heart towards you is perfectly displayed in the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And so in your daily life, when you start getting these thoughts in your head, don't believe the lies. Don't do that. They'll wrap up around you, and then they'll start changing who you think you, you are and who God is. No. Look at the perfect life, death, and resurrection of his son. And what do you really think, what power would you have? This is going to come from a harsh angle, but what power would you have if you could move God's mind about you? You would be an awfully powerful person, huh? might as well go be a Mormon who believes you become a god. Because you'd have to be a god to move God's will. If God has set his will upon Terry to love Terry, you really think you're Hercules and can move that yeah it's not about you we're gonna sing good Father after this and I think about my kids I think about that's what's cool about for Brit and Bry they're about to experience that moment where all of a sudden it's like new being and loved by you is who who you know who love by me is who you are baby right come on any parents it's it's crazy it's the craziest thing right look at the young parents in the back it's like why right, baby you are loved dear God you're loved I don't know why, but it just is, right? Well, that's, that's Heavenly Father toward us as well. It's Listen, Alex, Izzy, there's nothing you can do that would separate you and me. I really don't want him to grow up to be, let's say, a murderer. But even if he is, he's still my son. And I will not disown him because it happened. The birthing process happened. So I know I, I, know I belabor upon this because if we don't see God for who he is, which is God's love toward us, then we, we are rendered powerless, guys. All right, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. Hmm, okay. This is hard. And this is where I'm gonna poke at you a little bit. Um because sometimes pain will let you know that there's something wrong. So I'm gonna poke around and see if you agree here. Ready? Uh, do we have first John four nineteen? Oh see I said that. There's no fear in love, which makes me think that God does not want you to be terrified of him. I don't think so. But perfect love drives out fear. I don't want my kids to ever be afraid of me. I want them to know they're loved perfectly no matter what, because fear has to do with punishment. Exactly. Come on, John. This is awesome. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, and we love because he first loved us. That's what I'm trying to say, that on your worst day, God chose to rest his love upon you. But here's the issue. It's hard for humans to receive it. I get it. And I know some of us in our past, whatever it is, I've said about seven different times, I talk about if someone tries to bless you, sometimes it's a hard thing to receive. So you've got this celestial love coming down, this part of the cross this is how we love each other this is the love of God coming down first get it the circle would be how we love ourselves but anyway so there's this love coming down and there's two elements to it there's the there's the giver who's giving the love but there's also the receiving of this all and like I said I'm I'm trying to touch around these different things it's somebody wants to pay the check after a, a dinner right it's hard to receive but let me get you even more How many folks recognize and understand that they have trouble receiving a compliment even from other people? Well, if you have trouble receiving a compliment, you may want to look around and realize, I might have trouble receiving the full-on, bright-like-the-sun magnitude love and acceptance of God. Because what did I say in the beginning? God is love, and there's things in between keeping us from experiencing that love. Do we understand? And it might seem like I'm laboring the point, but some of you felt good until I just said that and realized, oh, you're right, I I don't like the love and basking in the attention of other people. That's a human being, dude. How much more do we need to love and bask in the, in the light of God, right? Does that make sense? We deflect compliments. We look down. We make a joke. I mean, these are things where we're not letting other people give to us what we need. I've realized that lately, and I'm looking for answers for it, but here's what I've realized. I've indicted people in my life for not giving me what I need, but that was a lie. The truth was they were giving it. I just didn't receive it. I want you to think about something for a minute. Hypothetically, I'm not talking about my situation at all, but I've noticed other marriages or father, son, whatever you want it to be, where the person is dying for affirmation and compliments and things like this. The person's giving it, but this person's not receiving it. And so they're saying like, you never gave that to me. And the person's saying, I did, but it didn't connect So this person's perception is you never gave it. This person's perception is, yes, I did. It's a two-way thing. There's a giving and there's a receiving. Does that make sense? And that's what I've realized lately. It's not that this person's deficient in not giving out. It's that I've never received it from them, both of which are very important. And they're symptomatic to our relationship with God as well. If you're singing Amazing Grace like we did, and we're singing, my chains are gone, I've been set free. And you're thinking, wow, everybody else really sings this with passion. Then I got news for you. That amazing grace, maybe we're the ones kind of deflecting off of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's some of us in this room, and this is not a statement, a class statement, but there's some of us who are at this place in our journeys of faith. That's my song, dude. That's my jam. Amazing grace comes on, I hit that G chord, and you're all like, yeah. That's me, man. I was a wretch, dude. I was blind. Yeah, hey, hey. I was blind, and now I see. When we said I've been set free, something came to my mind I've been set free of. I literally think, this is my jam. And other people are just stepping that much out of the light where it's other people's song. And what I'm trying to get you to understand today is because of who he is, that is your song. You need to claim it. You get it? I know. I know. This is big, man. Okay. Another symptom of religion creeping in instead of relationship. Let's get through this, but I I want you to hear some of these things and the Holy Spirit to use it. If you're ever afraid of being outside of God's will instead of trusting that he's guiding you, the idea of I missed it or I might miss it, I don't think you're understanding God and how he works in love toward you. Anybody ever felt that way? Or I think I might have missed it or I might be out of God's will here. God does not want his will to be some sort of puzzle you've got to put together and get six other believers around and go, well, I think he's saying this. Listen, man, I want my kids to know exactly what I expect, do exactly, and to thrive within that. Right? In fact, here's what I've learned. Take this with you. This is good. I can feel it like a lot of people need this. So you walk in the room, and this is what Melanie and I talked about. Well, I did some research and we are adjusting. If I walk in a room and go, clean your room, clean your room. I've just set that kid up to fail bad. I walk back in and go, your room's not clean. And he goes, I clean, man. Here's the problem. Listen to me. I did not lay down what was clean and what was not clean. So I set them up to fail. You didn't meet my standards. Well, Daddy, you didn't give me your standards. So then I go, Clean is no toys in the floor, these clothes put away. Okay. Now I have a choice to either do it and be obedient or not, right? But still, I don't think that's right. Because then I walk up and go, Dude, you've been up here for a half hour. What is happening? You didn't say how quickly you want me to do it, Daddy. My vagueness has set him up to fail, or her. Get it? How's this instead? The higher level of parenting. Bub, Izzy, I did this the other day. Um, I said, you've got five minutes, which is, he can tell time. I said, five minutes. Toys picked up, books put away. You got choices. <laughs> Come back, five minutes were gone. Either you did it or didn't, and they did it. I didn't set them up to fail by vagueness. If young parents, take that with you. I mean, I've learned that because I did it wrong. And again, then there was arguments. And would you end up punishing them because you weren't specific enough? So anyway, long story short, do you think God does that to you? Be good. See you. Right? Be, be the husband or wife or grandparent or worker. Just be better. See you. No, there are very, very specific things that he's telling you. Just walk in these ways. Go look at the Beatitudes, what do I call them? The blessed attitudes. Blessed are the this, this, this. If you keep the attitude of the meek, good. If you keep humble, good. When you stop out of those things, now you're out of bounds. Daddy comes up and goes, that's not what we're looking for, guys. Specific, right? Anybody getting anything out of this? I think that's fantastic, even if it's just for parenting. It's changed everything. You have gotta be really specific with it so that you can set them up for success. God's will is not some cosmic puzzle. Can I tell you something real quick? I was scared of missing God's will in the formative mid-twenties. Come back from England, I didn't know what I was doing. And Adam Avery, who's the pastor who married me and my wife to each other, he said, uh, you know, I really feel like people are a little too crazy about the whole God's will thing. I think God's will is like, like, you know that side of a bowling alley? You know, your ball gets in that gutter area, and it's, it's safe in there, isn't it, right? you got to really try to jump out of it. I feel like with God's will, if you're focused and listening... I feel like he's gonna. You know what I'm trying to say? You gotta really go no God, and that's what you see in the Bible too. People who literally go no God. All right, let me skip ahead here. <clears throat> There's two reasons that people may be afraid of um, of missing God's will, and it's this. <clears throat> Number one, you might be, it might reveal a lie. Well, i was talked about how we reveal. You know, sometimes we're revealing lies that we believe. There's two reasons we may be afraid of missing God's will. Number one, that he's not leading us, okay? And number two would be, we don't believe we can hear. Now, probably the second one more. I just don't trust my hearing anymore. Let me set you free in this. Number one, he is always speaking. Just like I'm speaking to my children about my expectations, my desires for them, my love. I've always said this, and this is so hokey, but I really feel like God is like Wi-Fi, not dial-up. I feel like God is always transmitting his love, lessons, wisdom. God is always speaking to his children. It's just about who tries to connect and listen. And here's the thing. Let me set you free in another thing. Your listening may look different than other people. I, I will not wake up. Some people say, first thing in the morning, you have to wake up at crack of dawn and do devotions. That may be you. I can't do it. I will fall asleep. I've tried it before. Or I'm grumpy and mad at God for making me wake up early. Get it? And I can't sit for long periods of time and pray. I just can't do that. I'm too. Right? Because God created me as a multitasker, I have a hard time powering down. That's on you, God. You made me this way. I can't. He goes, how about you pray in short bursts like you do everything else? That'll work for me. Little thing here. Go do something. Little thing here. Next thing you know, I've talked to God all day. Anybody set free from that? Don't you feel like you need to get on a... I'm sometimes and do it. That's not how I'm built. That doesn't work for me. And so I've never been the pastor who would tell you that. Same with reading chapters of the Bible, getting reading plans. I don't know what works for the way God created you. But there's a sweet spot that does. It might be reading a proverb a day. It might be reading books about the Bible. There's some people who really connect with God through listening to worship. And they hear something profound in worship. And they're fed the word of God if they're listening to the correct worship, which is speaking the word of God, right? God is always speaking. That's a lie. You've got to stop. God is speaking to you. And the second one, I just don't know if I hear God. Let me tell you a little story now. So there's this prophet named Balaam, okay? And the Israelite army comes real close to the city. And um, the king says, I don't want the Israelite army so close to our city, Balaam. Go do something about it. Because the Israelite army was a buzzsaw. They were just destroying all the people who were in their land that God had given them. And it's funny because Alex and I have been talking about it and I've had to say to him like, because we, we, I tell him Bible stories but I tell them the truth. I don't water them down. Like David and Goliath did not end with them on the ground. David Goliath ends with David raising his dead head. I tell my son that stuff because there's violence in the world. I'd rather you learn it from me. And so I talk about them possessing the land and I, I, I talk about how when it looks like God is hard. You know what, Let me give just give me a second here on this. I'm going to the sidebar. You ever see the movie Exodus, Gods, and Kings? It's a perversion of Exodus. But there's this thing going around Hollywood. Did you see they did Noah as well? The flood of Noah. Russell Crowe, man. But it was a perversion of that story. And not just because we need facts, but it's a perversion of everything about that story. The devil himself probably wrote that. And I know the devil himself wrote Exodus, Gods, and Kings because it strips God of all his glory. But worse, you ready for this? There's a moment when Pharaoh, played by one of the actors I really like, comes to Moses, played by Christian Bale, and says, Is this your God, the killer of babies? Who would serve him? They just indicted God and called him bad. They just, in a Hollywood movie, called God evil. <laughs> and worse than that, it's a meme. Somebody took a snapshot of that with the subtitles and says, Who would worship this? And people are circulating this picture around going, Yeah. You Christians, who would you? And I went, oh, 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 full story here, Tonto. You want to know the full story? Israel is God's firstborn. In Egypt, for decades, was commanding that every Israelite boy was thrown into the Nile River to worship their god, Hopi. So you're going to complain. Ooh, did you see what I almost said? You're going to complain about God saying, enough, for people killing his kids? Is that what you're doing? You're going to call that not good? I looked at Alex in his bed, and Cody will get me on this one. I said, buddy, if someone tries to hurt you or your sister, I will kill them. That's who thats who your daddy is. Someone comes in here to try to hurt you your sister or your mama, it's its lights out. It's go, ha- go take it up with Jesus. He'll sort it out with them. Sorry, dude. That's being a man. That's being a parent. But they've indicted God in our culture and called him not good, the killer of babies. I'd kill every baby in the world if a society's trying to kill ours. Absolutely. Do you see what I'm trying to say? The prayers had well I said this before the prayers had built up like a dam the cries and wails of Israel and God wiped it out and did what he had to do that doesn't make God bad or evil it makes God very good fights for his children now the second part is this like I said Balaam walks out and sees the army of Israel that's the point Israel was gonna conquer this thing and you can't hide that the kids the army killed other right Philistines and Malachites. I'm not gonna lie but Balaam goes out and he's gonna tell them something he's not supposed to tell them this army and so he's on his donkey, and he's riding. Well, all of a sudden, an angel appears. And if you've ever seen an angel, not that I have, but what I gather is they're terrifying. I don't think they're, oh, beautiful. I, I think they're terrifying, in fact. Bruce, yeah? I imagine so. Well, even if they're just burning fire, it's like, ah! <laughs> anyway, so Balaam's riding his donkey. Well, the donkey sees the angel. This is real. This is an out-there story in the Bible, but I'm telling you a point here. And the donkey sees the angel, he's like, nah, man, if that's how donkeys talk. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Chris Rock or whoever did that. Uh, Eddie Murphy, yeah. And he sees the angel and he's like, Nope, not doing that. And it's in this small space, and Balaam's like, Go, donkey, I'm gonna go tell the Israelites to leave this city alone. Go, donkey. And the donkey's like, Bro, not gonna happen. He just like stops. And he starts beating the donkey up. In fact, it crushes Balaam's leg against the wall. Now, meanwhile, in the reality is the donkey staring at an angel, probably with a drawn sword, going, not gonna happen. So what does God do? He sees, he, he sees this going down. He gives the donkey a voice. And again, this is out there, but I truly believe this is true. The donkey turns to him and goes, what do you, why are you beating me, man? Am I, am I a bad donkey? Have I done something wrong? And Balaam's like, ow! <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> at least that'd be my reaction. Whoa! And then all of a sudden, Balaam does see the angel. No, you're not going to go tell God's army to retreat from the ne- Balaam, what you were about to do, and here's what I gather out of that story. We were speaking to you. You weren't listening, so we got your attention. You get it? Otherwise, why would that story be in the Bible? It's funny. Talking out his ass, you know. You can't get mad at me. That's a technical term. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I just came up with that. And I hesitated for a minute, and then I realized I'm bulletproof because that's a technical term. But, um, no, seriously, listen. So if you're worried about God getting a hold of you about your will, just go to that story and go. He'll go through every length to keep you. If you're listening to him and there's something in the way and you're going to crash and burn, God is not going to let you do that, right? So, okay, let me, let me wrap this up. If you're trying harder instead of being transformed, that's another symptom of us not understanding God as love. You're going to get there. Just listen to me. Listen. You're going to get there, okay? You're, you're fine. Just keep going. Just be transformed and not try harder. Jesus didn't live, die, and live again so you could try harder. He overcame in every way so you could be transformed. And that, again, is the same sort of thing when we talked about this is my son and who I'm well pleased. Discipline and principles are important, but the Christian faith was never meant to be about trying harder. It's becoming sure in God's love and fighting from victory. Do we understand that? Because I'm loved, I'm free to go and do. So worship team, go on up here. Um, I'm happy that God seems to be in a season of tearing down the falsities that are holding us back. I recognize in me some areas that I'm believing some of these things. I recognize that. And so now this week, it's my opportunity to turn to him and go, Father, in what areas am I not relating to you out of love and your, your acceptance for me? And you can get me off some of these uh, some of these treadmills.